Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined, as always, by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. It's, it is basically always both of you, and it is basically always me doing the intro, so I feel like I can do that, that rhythmic. <laughs> I am da 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 as always, joined by my, my handy-dandy <laughs> sidekicks. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening. We are here to talk Cubs. And the Cubs just, uh, you know, what I like to say is that that two-game series that they wrapped against Cleveland came after the earlier two-game series against Cleveland in which, so Cleveland had won both of those games, right? And then they won the first one in this and then lost the last. I am counting that personally as the fifth time this year that the Cubs have avoided a sweep in the final game right because two game series you can't count that as a sweep you can't count that but you add them together and it's like a four game series and the cubs won the last one to stave off the <laughs> oh sweep. i that see is, what you're doing okay see what i'm saying and that is okay. the fifth time that they have done that this year which is that it may, maybe that doesn't sound crazy but they're the only contender in the national league that hasn't been swept indeed the team that the cubs are going to be playing this coming weekend, the Dodgers, they the Cubs are the team that swept them. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's never great to lose a series. But just let me say, if you're on the brink of being swept uh, five times, then they've avoided it. So, you know, special skill. Shouts out to them. Uh, we, we have one specific thing from that series that we'll get into that is is sort of compelling conversation piece. But anything non-Javi edition that you wanted to, to mention from that series. I, we were talking pre-recording, and it was like, there's just not a lot. You can't say, oh, well, they, they scored seven runs in the second game, so the offense is back. But you also can't say, ah, it's the same old story with the offense, because they did have a nice game. And Kyle Hendricks continued his stretch of uh, we're now eight straight quality starts and looking a lot better. Bullpen did its thing. I mean, there just wasn't a lot. No, there's no to, I don't think there's yeah. too much to break down there. I, I'll say for the fans that are clamoring for, why is no one writing about how bad Jason Hayward and Ian Happ are? We'll have, I'm, I'm working on something right now, and that's what I'll have tomorrow morning. So we'll give you that tease, but we don't need to break that down at the moment. But uh, right. hey, wait, will can, be I, can I get one tease out of you for folks? Sure. Are the struggles legit or are they fluky? Oh, I mean, with yeah, with Hayward, they're legit. They're they're things we've seen before, but just you know, not great. And with with Hap, it's really interesting. I'll just say that. I'll say it's not. If you think it's the same old issues for Hap that it was in 2018, you're you're not you're not right. And I I I was wondering if it was if he'd kind of regressed in an area, but but he hasn't. It's just a. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, I'll 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 save most of that for the piece, oh, that's but good. just yeah, that's basically, a, yeah, it's good tease. It's not it's not as obvious as I thought it was. Can we talk about Javi now? I was just saying, <laughs> Mooney, Mooney's like that's the most aggressive way of of saying I have nothing else to say about the series. I am not saying a damn word. Yeah, it was yeah, a go, huge it was a huge up. moment. I mean, there's yeah, no, it's not no, that it the other things were kind of irrelevant or unimportant. It was just that. Oh, that seemed like a really big moment for uh, David Ross, for Javi Baez getting you know, embarrassed uh, on a play like that, for David Ross choosing to make an example of Javi Baez but saying he wasn't making an example of Javi Baez the day after Anthony Rizzo got picked off base twice. Twice. And so I think um, they can agree to disagree on this one. I think, you know, I don't think it means that there's some sort of uh, 
issue between those two or that it's never going something Javi's not going to do something ever again. That's going to kind of frustrate uh, the staff. Uh, But yeah, man, I mean, when a play like that happens and David Ross, who really has only one other example of that in pulling Kyle Schwab for a game. And as a manager who always goes out of his way to keep things in house and rarely criticizes his own players or their performance to do something like that. I think it's something that we're going to be, you know, it's one of those reference points. I think we're going to be using in our uh, written content uh, and on the podcast just to see where things go from here for Javi and the rest of this team. Yeah. You know, for me, just to kind of address why, you know, why this moment, why this, this uh, player at this moment, I mean, I think it's hard to deny that there have been times when Ross uh, has seen things that he didn't love from Javi as far as hustle and and I shouldn't say hustle. Maybe just it's okay, not running out that ball that he thought was a home run and it ends up being a, it should be a double and then he turns it into a, a single. You know, those are things that happen and I, I I don't think any of us love to see them, but I don't think that that goes towards a benching because other players do that. Rizzo has done that. Schwar- I've seen Schwarber do that in the past. Uh, I've seen plenty of players do that, right? Uh, even I think for me, the, the line of demarcation is if you don't know what the game situation is, as simple as something is knowing the outs and your that your head's not in the game fully you, I understand that benching if it was his first ever mistake or first time he's ever done something that you're like ooh I don't love seeing that then maybe you question the benching I get people being mad about hey what about Rizzo the day before that's that's a physical error on on it shouldn't happen but it, that's mostly a physical error like Rizzo it's not like Rizzo didn't know the situation and and screwed up in that fashion he he's just not a great base runner and made and and made a base running mistake and got picked off in situations he shouldn't have those, those aren't I'm not saying it's acceptable I'm saying it's a physical mistake uh, and then someone also pointed out and I did not like this when I saw it but Jock Peterson uh, the other day popped out and the ball the it was really windy and it went from foul to fair and the catcher almost dropped it and jock was walking back to the dugout i didn't love that but i also don't see jock do that a lot right that's the first time i've seen him and it wasn't one of those situations where the ball fell if the ball had fallen it makes it i know it i I know it shouldn't matter but it does it matters right just like if if javi forgot how many outs but he was able to get back to first does he get does he get benched still? I wonder, right? It's I, I wonder if it's a culmination of he was almost at third. He realized his mistake halfway to third and just kind of walked back to the dugout instead of showing any sort of like, crap, I better get back to first and try to, right? So it's, I'm not sure if that would have mattered either, but I'm just saying there's a lot that goes into this than just saying, what about these other guys? Uh, I, think, I think it was a moment that deserved uh, the reaction, even if it may, even if it's rare and it feels like someone's being singled out, I, I, I get it. And, and I think, and I hope Javi get, gets it too. He seemed like he did, even if he disagreed, uh, with the ultimate result. I was reminded of a really nonspecific thing that I can't remember the particulars for, and maybe you guys will, but there was something 
two, I feel like it was in the Joe Madden era, so maybe two years ago, where Javi was going through a two or three week stretch of of making some really uncharacteristic errors in the field, some really poor throws, some really just like something was off, and it coincided with a big funk at the plate, and I just seem to recall that it, there was some kind of conversation happened, manager to Javi media in there somewhere, just about him. I don't want to say focus was the word, but something about how he's kind of letting problems in one area in, infect another area. And I, 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 again, I may have messed up a lot of the particulars, but there is something there and it was Javi. And I thought about that. And I think, you know, although David Ross didn't say it explicitly in this way, it does come to your mind, you know, that Javi's having a terrible June. He looks a lot like he did in April at the plate. And rather than it being, sending a message of what you just did is unacceptable. We will not tolerate on this team. Instead, maybe the message is, hey, just remember, you can still help us in a lot of ways. Even if you're struggling at the plate, you can still do a lot of good. So just don't forget that. Stay engaged. Stay in the game. Understand the game is tough, et cetera, et cetera. And so I kind of walked away from it. Maybe that was me putting my own graft onto it, but I, I felt like that was kind of the message. And so it was, you know, it's fine. It just felt fine to me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard to it's hard to deny that Ross felt awful about it. Patrick asked, a, a, I think it was Patrick's question that led to him saying he had like a pit, in, like a you know, an empty feeling in his stomach, like a knot in his stomach throughout that game after that moment. And I think he's genuine. I think I don't think any of these players see him as like this mean disciplinarian that doesn't get them. Like he has to draw lines sometimes. He's he is their friend. He is. He he played with these guys. He has bonds with them. And and but he's also their manager. And and at certain points, he has to be a disciplinarian in in the in so, in some sense. He's not trying to make it. He's not uh, whatever you just said, Brett. Like uh, it it wasn't like a scolding thing. It never seemed like that. Even when we caught the the marquee video feed in the dugout, and even after the game, he never made it seem like. He's like, how dare Javi Baez? This is unacceptable. Nothing like that. It was not like uh, anything like that. It was just like this player in this moment needed to get his head right. And I had to I had to act in some manner. That's my job as manager. And I don't love doing these things, but sometimes you have to. And it felt very simple and not like a <laughs> like your boss, like coming down on you really hard. Yeah, I'd, I'd been meaning to ask Ross about the Schwarber benching from last year. It had just been kind of in the back of my head, uh, particularly since that Mets series at Wrigley Field. I believe that was in April, and Javi kind of pops it up. He stares at his bat, um, doesn't run hard out of the box. Then he kind of drifts on his <laughs> rounding first base. He kind of drifts, and then all of a sudden the ball's in Pete Alonso's glove, and he gets bailed out because they couldn't apply the tag fast enough and they got a replay challenge overturn. They win the game in the end. And the next day, Javi had one of his huge games. I, I think at least one home run, one of those like crazy spectacular defensive plays. I think it was like, you know, kind of just like shoving the ball uh, out of his glove on a double play. One of those type, type of uh, web gems. And I had asked Ross about it, you know, Friday after that game of like, you know, with Javi's it just kind of like living with that trade-off of you know that he's going to bring it every single day and the vast majority of the time he's going to be in the right place at the right time because he is such an anticipatory player and 
Ross agreed and said, you know, I, I learned a lot my first year as a manager. I really try not to publicly embarrass a player that happened once last year. And, you know, I read that as, you know, kind of Kyle Schwarber and what happened then that I didn't think he was entirely comfortable with how that went down. And maybe I'm projecting too much. It's hard to like have these back and forths on, on zoom, but I do think that is part of Ross's style that I will give him credit for that. You know, this guy's, you know, made some good money in the game. You know, he, he reached a level of fame that would have been unimaginable. Like he's not doing this to like kind of, that's what he told players and people like, I don't need this for the money. I don't need this to, for my ego, it's that I really want to win. And I think if you watch him every day, there is a humbleness to him and being able to admit mistakes and that he really tries to put the credit on the players that it's really not all about um, Rossi. So I think it's fair to take that into account when you're looking at something like this and not overreacting in terms of, you know, what does this mean for Javi's relationship with the Cubs moving forward? All right, so the other major thing from the uh, Cleveland Cubs series, which um, it didn't necessarily specifically go to anything about the Cubs in particular, is the implementation of the enhanced substance evaluation protocols, the TSA-style screenings that uh, pitchers go through as they come off the mound. Um, it, you know, it, the, the Cubs had the benefit in a way of, of playing on Monday, which is when it started, but it was a limited slate of games. I think there were only four games that day, and so it didn't get quite as much attention as it did on Tuesday, um, when in particular, um, despite most of the checks going on without issue, I mean, we remarked on him when Advert Azalei came off the mound. It was like, okay, so that's what it looks like. He got checked, and uh, by the way, it was reminiscent, if you've ever seen that video of some screener at a um, sporting event and he's like just barely touching the sides of the people. And he's like, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. That it, it evoked that for me because it was like, Oh, I was like, it wasn't, I'm going to check your hat for stuff and your glove for stuff. It seemed like the umpire was just confirming, Oh, you have a hat and a glove. That's great. Okay. See ya. Um, now having been warned that these checks were coming, that is kind of the point. It almost is, it's almost immaterial how thorough the screening is because the point was to tell pitchers it's coming and thus none have been found and spin rates are massively down for anybody that you thought about checking. Uh, yeah, there's his dad. I mean, I swear to God, every time I went to check pitcher, I was like, you know, he has always had one of those, those four seamers that really rides and you check and yes, their spin rate is massively down. Every single time there, no, not a single person surprised me in either direction. Like Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, no, his was perfectly flat. Like always. Um, so I, I will say that there weren't a lot with the Cubs. There's I no, mean, well, cause yeah, they haven't had almost I mean, none, not the start. I mean, we knew with the starters, but it's almost yeah, zero with the Cubs. There like is Kimbrel. You would like kind of think, but like, Hey, what's that, going he's on? Not a mega, he's not a mega but, spin guy. That's the thing no. that people don't, haven't understood about Kimberly. He gets a lot of attention because of the hat and his yeah. success, but like he has never been his, his four seamer spin rate is like 50th percentile. I mean, yeah, it's just it's not good. Yeah, it's good, it, it, but it's his but arm it's angle and his delivery yeah. approach and it's his velocity. And it's, it's all that that makes him so good. Um, yeah. With the Cubs. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm still not ready. I don't want to name names. Cause it, it's Same. become this thing where yeah. it's like, you're attacking a guy 
which I'm not. Even when I point out, you know, that Garrett Cole, his spin rate was massively down. Max Scherzer's spin rate was massively down. That's not, it, it's not me being like, gotcha. It's and it's just me being like, okay, let's observe this so that we can qualitatively evaluate for the future. And while we're on Scherzer, uh, you know, I'll say, he he didn't say, yeah, I was using some, some super sticky tough before and now I'm not. But he basically did. So uh, that was the big brouhaha on Tuesday, right? So you had Scherzer made a pretty dramatic scene about getting checked. The initial check that every pitcher is getting. He like did this very dramatic uh, pose, which whatever. It's, that's him. He's into the game. It's Mad Max. Fine. But then Joe Girardi, the opposing manager, <laughs> made a point to have him checked additional times. Um, and that led to way more drama. Scherzer chucking his glove and his hat down, opening his belt. Like, what? I got nothing. I got nothing. And it turned out so that the, what I found maybe most interesting, other than the embarrassment of that, which we can talk about, was that Scherzer, after the game, conceded that the reason that Girardi asked for the extra check was because Scherzer kept going to his head more than he ever, you know, Girardi was, Girardi was like, I've seen Max pitch a hundred times. I've never seen him do that. And Scherzer was like, yeah, I was going to my head because like I couldn't get a grip on the ball. I was trying to get any moisture that I could get off the top of my head just to try to get, cause it was, it was slipping on me. And it occurred to me in, in saying that, he's essentially saying, yeah, prior to this outing, I was using stuff to get an extra grip. And again, we can extrapolate what that means for spin rate and those things. And you can go, his, his data is out there. It's public. If you want to go look at what happened with his pitches from that outing in which he still pitched very well, by the way. Um, and I was left feeling like through two days, it really wasn't that bad. The, the stated objective was achieved and it was really only made dramatic or embarrassing because you had maybe two individuals who each used that moment t- to build some drama unnecessarily. I I mean, I found that both those, maybe because, you know, I'm not those players. I'm not covering them. Uh, I found it entertaining, like wildly entertaining all of it. I, I think it was kind of fun what Scherzer did. I'm sure he didn't find it fun and he was genuinely annoyed. Uh, but it entertained me. Sergio Romo <laughs> was definitely entertaining to me. Uh, you know, I, I think it, as long as everyone's being professional about it, as far as the umpires and, and they seemed from what I've gathered, they mostly have been, I mean, they just need to make sure they're not overstepping uh, things in this area. The one thing I do wonder is, um, how much does it break a guy's concentration, right? It, it, that's the one thing that I don't love about this. There's going to be a point where a guy is throwing like a no hitter. And you're not supposed to mess with that guy, right? You don't talk to that guy. That's part of the the unwritten rules of baseball. And now that guy's going to be stopped after the seventh inning where he's since, throwing a perfect game. Since and audio like, doesn't pick up visuals, I have to, I mean, insert like a bracketed visual. Okay. So you, the <laughs> listener, have to imagine that this was occurring as Sahadev went into that. It's it's Brett and then bracket. Eyes roll back into head massively. So. <laughs> you're you're fine with this. You're fine with the no, guy. No, I just it's like come on. Breaking. If, I, I listen, think that's if you I lose a no hitter. Legit. If you lose yeah. a no hitter because an umpire asked to see your glove, <laughs> you do not deserve that no hitter. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I think there's a concentration aspect here where guys are super locked in, and Max is one of those crazy people who like gets super focused and uh may and especially I think mid. You know, I, that was a mid-inning check with the hair stuff, right? Yeah, that's bad. Which that's is what you total, don't want to see. Yeah, yes, that's I, what I you don't want to see. 
But yeah, you're right. I mean, if if a guy loses a no hitter because I'm, I'm checked his uh, glove mid mid inning, you know, I mean, uh, in between innings, that's yeah, it's probably nonsensical. I just you know, I'm just trying to think of areas where it could be going too far. But I generally agree. It's it's pretty harmless. Seemed like it went really well. We got some entertainment out of it. Uh, it, it is, I think we're learning a little bit something and I think Bryant kind of nailed this. He's like, we were so stupid to think this was just about grip the whole, like, uh, even the rosin. So I did this, I picked up a, a, a rosin bag the other day. I've, I've never like, you know, we, we didn't use rosin in little league, so I didn't know, <laughs> like I haven't pitched at a high level. So I picked it up. My hands were sticky and tacky for a good hour afterwards. Really? Yeah. I think like, people I, don't know that. I so, just thought I mean, it was just about drying I, your hand out. I mean, when I say like sticky and tacky, it wasn't like my hands were sticking together, but I could feel it. Like I could feel like a tackiness to my hands. Now I wasn't throwing a hundred pitches and that tackiness wasn't like, you know, coming off. So maybe, maybe it's much, di- I mean, not maybe it definitely is much different, but I think there's something to be said that there's, there's a level, there's levels here, right? The rosin and sunscreen is probably adding a little bit of RPMs, even though we wanted to say it did nothing. It's probably the guys that were seeing a tiny drop that are still really effective. Those were probably the sunscreen, the sunscreen and, and rosin users, the guys that were seeing like 400 500 rpm or more drop it's like oh my god what was that guy using right like who knows what that guy was doing because that that's not normal so i think i think you're seeing some interesting things i think we're learning a lot as uh, like uh as observers of the game and and i think it's uh, it's been it's been an interesting few days i i've i've kind of enjoyed the, the the kind of diving into the numbers but also just the reactions have been have been really entertaining yeah, I went back and forth of like watching the Scherzer clips of being like, this is amazing to like, this is just totally embarrassing for Major League Baseball. Like, it's just kind of this, you know, reflection of this just profound mistrust among the players towards management and just this culture of baseball that allowed, you know, continues to allow cheating to happen in so many different forms that this kind of looked the other way uh, culture. So, I mean, I kind of wished like something like that happened at, at Wrigley. I mean, we got, you know, a shortstop being pulled from the game. Like, so that was pretty good. I can't, you know, complain, but the Scherzer Girardi stuff was just so classic. I think that'll be part of the max uh, highlight reel forever. So good. Uh, and so we'll, we also missed out. Um, uh, Trevor Bauer made his first appearance post checks and I believe it was not dramatic. And he's of course one of the most outspoken uh, people in somehow in both directions on this topic. He is is sort of simultaneously has been staunchly opposed to the rise of sticky stuff. And then suddenly is uh, staunchly opposed to checking for it. And I will leave any and all other conclusions or commentary that anyone wants to draw uh, on that, including his uh, tremendous uh, spin rate growth over the last three years. So, We'll miss that because he pitched, uh, what, yesterday. So he will not pitch in the series against the Cubs. I don't believe he's in the probables for Sunday. So um, uh, that is the series upcoming for the Cubs. It's another West Coast trip against a formidable opponent that just got Cody Bellinger back. Mookie Betts is uh, kind of in a bit of a slump, and so you you hate to think the Cubs are going to be the team where he breaks back out. But, uh, you know, it's been the story all June, so we won't belabor it. It's a really tough stretch of the schedule and tough opponents, tough travel. And you go into this weekend series and you say, it's another one of those where if you could split it, that's amazing. You take one of three, 
you don't hate it. Um, and then you just try to regroup afterwards. I don't have a ton to say specifically on that series, but I'll, I'll let you guys get in a word or two and, and we'll wrap. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of the same, right? This is, uh, we, we've got, I guess, seven more games, a 10-game road trip here, and, and it's just kind of like the final uh, the final stretch of this really tough month. Uh, we'll see if they make it through. I, I, they need to get be around 500. I said at the beginning of the month, get through it. Get through this month, be around 500, stick in the race, and, and we'll see what, what they can do going forward. I think we've learned a lot this month. I think it's fascinating how much Nico Horner and Matt Tuffy matter. I know people still, don't, still won't, aren't buying that, but I think there's something that's really important that they add uh, to the lineup and, and just kind of change that dynamic. So let's see if they can get healthy. Those guys can come back and, and kind of turn this offense back into something uh, that it was. And, and then you figure out the pitching problems uh, at the trade deadline or or not, uh, you know, because you need to figure that out. Otherwise, none of this really matters, I, I think. Yeah, I think they got to get good starting pitching here. I, I think that's the thing that I've circled kind of over and over again here of, you know, just too many non-competitive starts, and it's been kind of an inverse this year with this Cubs bull, bullpen that if the offense can get an early lead, they can manage uh, aggressively. Uh, I think Sahadev has a Chafin to Para Kimbrel story coming out later this weekend as well. And, like, I mean, we were talking about it regularly. Like, remember in 2017, the NLCS, like how – thin the Cubs bullpen was I think John Lackey like pitched out of the bullpen for maybe the first time ever and as I had pointed out like Rondon and Strope during those playoff years it just felt like they were just kind of worn down by the end or you know Strope would have some sort of leg injury or there'd be a a circle of trust kind of like exit and entrance going on whereas now it's the rotation it's this huge question mark and I think if they could I think Brett you did this probably on another big road trip like Cubs would probably take four and six right now, right? I mean, if they could sign up for that, I don't think they'd give it much of a second thought. They'd never admit that publicly, but that's not, like, totally unreasonable, uh, but it will be kind of difficult to pull off. All right. Well, thank you, folks, for listening, as always. We'll be back at you after this uh, opening series of the road trip uh, in Los Angeles on Monday. And we appreciate you listening as always. This is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Get us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brett Taylor. You can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at The Athletic. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Take care.